Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Seth Askelson. Thank you for joining me here on Locked on Coyotes as it's a special Sunday edition. Again, trying to make up for the episode I did not make on Tuesday due to some extra work things that were unforeseen. So um, luckily for you um, and luckily for myself, a big Coyotes game night on Saturday to discuss. Uh, Take a look at the rest of the league. A lot of the Pacific Division played on Saturday. Uh, And unfortunately for the Coyotes, uh, a lot of them did not play each other. So uh, tough sledding in the standings again. Coyotes will catch up, especially once they start playing more games. But a big win for the Coyotes. They defeated the Avalanche 3-0, mostly due in part to the two goals in the first period. The first one from Christian Dvorak and the second one from Phil Kessel on Dvorak's goal. Kessel and Keller got the assist, and then on Kessel's goal, Hayden, another assist. That's his third. And then the returning Osterle getting himself a point as well in his first game since uh, getting hit in the head and neck area with a shot in that national game a few weeks ago and then in the second period Connor Garland on a beautiful goal a quick pass over from Schmaltz in the right circle over to nearly the left corner and Garland just rips one home so the Coyotes pick up a 3-0 win over a team that Despite being in a kind of an odd situation, especially with their top, two of their top three forwards out, uh, they've they've struggled a little bit. They've struggled a little bit without Landis Cog and without Rain, and so they're trying to find themselves. Uh, obviously, the zero means Colorado didn't get anyone who had a point, which ends Nathan McKinnon's 13-game point streak. Darcy Kemper making 33 saves, so it was a big one for the Coyotes. When you take a look at what what they're trying to do here they're trying to build uh, a winning team and and build a winning culture a culture that hasn't been in Arizona uh, especially in the hockey organization uh, over the last seven years but uh, they're getting there it feels like they're very close if not right there to, to building that right culture it's tough because early in the season a, a lot of people not including myself I didn't think the central was as strong as everybody thought it was going to be um, I know a lot of people thought that Chicago was going to be some sort of Stanley Cup contender. I just didn't think so with their back end. Um, I didn't think Winnipeg was going to be that great with their back end as well, but Winnipeg's still kind of sticking around. Dallas, uh, I figured they'd be at least in the playoff hunt. They're starting to pull themselves back in. We'll get into the standings a little bit later, but Coyotes playing in the toughest division, not only in the West, but Maybe even in the NHL, I mean, you even take a look at the Metro Division. Washington is at 23 points. The Islanders at 20, but right after, uh, and then Carolina at 19, but then after that, Pittsburgh at 17. With the Coyotes, I mean, uh, everybody in the Pacific that is currently occupying what would be a playoff spot is at 18 or higher. So Coyotes in a tough division, but good thing is they've played uh, two less games than pretty much everybody. Um, including first place Edmonton, who they face on Monday. But back to building that winning culture, you think back to where Dave Tippett, when Dave Tippett was in Arizona, he'd always kind of have that motto of, you know, you're going to lose a game, and that's the nature of the business. Not a lot of teams are going to go, well, no team is going to go 82 and 0. That hasn't happened yet. And you have to learn how to lose and, and find a way to bounce back and continue rolling in the winning direction. And 
the coyotes, uh, you know, it's about don't lose more than one. Don't let it compound to two, three, four, even more. Coyotes have done a fantastic job about that. Uh, so picking up yet another victory. They're seven, two, and one in their last ten games. The only better streak in the Western Conference in the last ten has been Vancouver, seven, one, and two. So the Coyotes and the Canucks both flying high, both young teams in that Pacific Division. Those will be really good games. I don't think anybody would have uh, thought that, at least this year. Uh, a lot of people not too high on the Coyotes in terms of what they could they could do offensively. I think that's going to change a little bit in Vancouver. Very unknown. Jim Benning putting that team together, trading a first-round pick for JT Miller. It seems to have been paying off. JT Miller looks like he is comfortable. He's in a fantastic place uh, for himself, for his career. So good to see JT Miller. Uh, back at the top of his game, and it's uh, to the unfortunate chagrin of the Coyotes, but uh, the Canucks rolling right now with what they have young talent. But back to the Coyotes again, just another impressive game where they needed 33 saves from Darcy Kemper. He played well, but it didn't feel at any time that the Coyotes had lost control of that game, not that they had dominated it from start to finish, but it definitely never felt that they were out of control or you know they didn't have a a spot where you really have a hard time believing that they were going to lose that game in the second period. The shots were very uneven, 17-3. to three. Maybe that was the one point where a little nervous about it. But, again, this is a Coyotes team that has solid goaltending, and especially when it comes to Darcy Kemper. He is a guy that you don't worry about. When you see hard shots, when you see a lot of traffic, it's not you're not too worried about, is that going to get through? Is he going to struggle to make that save? Is one just little bounce going to get by him. He's been pretty much in control of his game since the middle of last year. And again, on top, finally gets a shutout. Uh, one of the uh, few teams to not have a shutout yet. And the Coyotes finally get it here against Colorado. And uh, just a, a tough one for the Avalanche. Again, a team that I think has Stanley Cup aspirations, but they're almost falling back into the same pattern they were last year where they started out hot and then they started to kind of peel off a little bit and then they came back, obviously made that run into that final wild card spot. I think you're really starting to see if Landis Cog and Rantanen aren't there, they're not producing at least as much and that, that has to change. I can't, that has to change for Colorado if they want to be a Stanley Cup contender. They can't be going back and forth and waiting for Rantanen to get back and waiting for uh, Landis Cog to get back to drag him back into relevance in terms of uh, the points in the standings. So a team that looked like they were going to run away with the Central Division early are now losers of two straight. They're at 4-4-2 and two in their last 10. And St. Louis is ticking over, and it looks like they might start peeling away with the division. But uh, the Coyotes, again, picking up a win against the playoff team a quality team that, again, I think they have the talent. They're almost running into a situation like the Coyotes were last year, kind of. They have a little more talent than the Coyotes did last year, but because of the injuries of some of their top guys, that secondary scoring just isn't there, and they have to find a way to, to really supplement that and, and get those guys rolling. But luckily for the Coyotes, they catch the avalanche while they're down, and they are able to pick up uh, an important 3-0 win to keep pace with everybody else. Again, it's 
pretty tight. Uh, really, only three team, four teams in, or three teams in the West that you consider kind of out of it at the moment, uh, and maybe even four with the Sharks. I just have a hard time believing the Sharks are done quite yet, but it loses a five straight again. We'll get in the standings just a little bit more, but for the Coyotes. Big win for them. Darcy Kemper gets himself a shutout, and they will uh, have Sunday off before they head to Edmonton on Monday. As we had mentioned earlier in this show and uh, talked about it yesterday, Jordan Osterley was reported by Craig Morgan, would be in the lineup. That was confirmed, and he was in, got an assist. Uh, so good return for Jordan Osterley. As that sent Labushkin to the press box, the healthy scratch area. So, uh, Oshley coming in, playing on that third pair with Aaron Ness, a couple of older guys. Ness being 29 years old, Oshley not uh, too old, but definitely has had some some miles in the NHL and, and understand what uh, what it takes. So, only played 16 minutes, second uh, least among the defensemen on the Coyotes as. And a minute and ten of that was on the penalty kill. So uh, playing the, some special teams again at only a minute ten. Kind um, of shorthanded a lot in this game. Oliver Ekman Larson and Jason Demers nearly playing five minutes each of shorthanded time. So those two really logging on the minutes. But Jordan Osley back. That's good to see. They're starting to get healthy. And I really like Osley's game. I think Jordan Osley is a guy, especially on that bottom pair. He's not gonna. He's not gonna dazzle you. He's not an Ekman Larson. He's not a Goligoski. He's not a Chicker, and he's not gonna always jump into the rush and you know make the the big play or you know slam home the the highlight reel goal. But he's a guy that's gonna give you solid minutes. He's gonna eat some minutes again. 16 minutes. Nothing that jumps off the page, but definitely important in the scheme of things, especially when you're trying to limit uh, the minutes of guys like Ekman Larson, like Goligoski, like Demers. Getting a little bit up there in age, need to survive an 82-game season and potentially playoffs. So, doing a good job. He's a good minutes eater. He's a good, reliable guy. And in the NHL, I mean, sure, all the best defensemen and at least the ones that get the highest contracts. You look at Hedman. You look at Yossi. You look at Eric Carlson. They're the ones that put up the points. But if, especially in this league nowadays with the goal scoring up, if you can be a reliable defenseman, I mean, the middle pair or on the bottom pair that can give you a solid 15 to sometimes even 20 minutes a night, play in some shorthanded situations if you have to, uh, just be a, be that solid player. It, there's a there's a spot in the league for that, and Osterle, that's where he's at right now with the Coyotes, and it's a guy that uh, you know he's not going to be out of the lineup. It's it's going to be between Ness and Labushkin. There's not, I don't think there's going to be really a question if Osterle is healthy. He's going to be in and out of the lineup, and that's why I think it's so exciting when you think about Nick Jarmelson coming back uh, to get him back to have Osterle, who can really solidify that bottom pair. I mean, you think about it. You get uh, Jarmelson back, and uh, you keep the, the pairing of Ekman Larson and Demers, and you can get Jarmelson to play with Chikrin. And then Goligoski, who likes to play offensive-minded, he had another assist tonight. That's his ninth point of the season. He can start to jump into a play a little bit more, I think, with Goligoski right now. Uh, gets a chance to play with Chikrin, but both of those guys are pretty offensive-minded. Uh, so I think they they both understand that they have to be careful of uh, what they do where they jump. So 
getting Jarmelson back, uh, this team will be fully stacked again on the defensive end. Again, always knock on wood. Forward health has been really good. Brad Richardson still out. At least he was out for this game. Still not a huge word from what I've seen on whether he will be back or not. So um, it's going to be a... Uh, it's going to be a, a good one uh, for the Coyotes once they get everybody back healthy. So um, for the Coyotes, a, a chance to get their roster back together. Um, again, Craig Morgan, and he reported this earlier this morning, Richardson won't play. That was really the extent um, so of what we get from Craig Morgan in terms of the Brad Richardson update and again tweeted around the same time uh, again from Craig Morgan quote by the way Kerry's defenseman Nick Darmelson was at Healer Arena on Friday watched him roll out of the locker room with his left leg on a scooter so um, still appears that they're going to try and uh, want that to heal up and again I don't think they're going to rush him back they understand how important he is to making the playoffs and if the Coyotes can get by and they can play really well defensively and I think they can especially I mean, bringing Nick Darmelson in brings in uh, another guy that's just absolutely outstanding. But if you have to miss him for a month, you want to bring him back healthy and you want to make sure you don't rush him back too quickly. So uh, good job by the Coyotes to um, really be careful and you take their time with this. Jordan Osele returns to the lineup. Brad Richardson still uh, not sure what uh, that situation is going to look like, but uh, the back end looking really strong right now and I think especially when it's fully healthy it is one of the best back ends in the NHL I don't know who else from top to bottom right I think when you look at the Coyotes it's a team that is really prepared in terms of uh, how the way they they structure themselves defensively they know what pairs are going to go out there they know who works best with each other and that comes with not switching your defensive pairs up every year. And I mean, it's been the same for the last two years, going on three years now. I know a lot of injuries. You got the Demers was out a little bit. Chikrin was out. Dolagoski had been out for a little bit. Ekman Lowe, I mean, it seemed that everybody on that Coyotes team was hurt last year, but especially on that back end. Uh, Nick Jarmelson surprisingly played 82 games and <laughs> Uh, outside of Osele has been the only defenseman to, to really be hurt for an extended period of time for the Coyotes so kind of weird the, the way that one works out uh, but for a team that struggled with the injuries struggled to stay healthy I think uh, these guys are back they're ready to go Nick Jarmelson uh, again is going to be an important an important piece to what they do and once he's ready to go, I don't, you know, you're obviously not going to deny him to get back out there. But I also don't think the Coyotes are going to take too much of a time. You're not in April. Obviously, you don't want to leave points on the table early on and have to go back and say, well, there was here, here, and here where we really could have dropped some points in and, and really got ourselves going. But the way the Coyotes are rolling right now, no need to rush Jarmelson back. Obviously, he's not ready. He's still in a boot, still kind of scootering around. So it's not that he's close and they're making a decision. But I think the way Osterle plays, the way Labushkin, the way Ness has played, especially on that bottom pair, it affords the Coyotes a, a little bit of an opportunity to see what they have defensively, especially with some of the younger guys, and really 
be okay with where they're at. I think Labushkin's a solid defenseman. I always liked Ilya Labushkin. I think he's very physical. I think he's a solid third-pairing guy. Uh, obviously, the coaching staff are around that team a lot more than I am, uh, especially every day. So uh, they feel that Aaron Ness has played well, and he has. I don't think that Aaron Ness has played particularly poorly by any stretch. Uh, but a guy that led the AHL uh, defenseman in points last year, getting his opportunity to do it. So the Coyotes, good return for Osterle. And uh, it seems that, the again, the puzzle just slowly, uh, piece by piece, is starting to, to come together for Arizona. As we always do here on Locked on Coyotes, we'll take a look at the happenings around the league. A pretty busy night, as per usual, for a Saturday evening around the NHL. Uh, a lot of big matchups, especially when you take a look at uh, what affects the Coyotes in the Pacific Division early in the morning, a 10 a.m. Pacific game. The Oilers in overtime again, thanks to Leon Dreisaitl. Not too surprising there. Defeat the Penguins 2-1 as they get to their 10th win of the season. As the Oilers just keep rolling on there, the first Western Conference team to reach 10 wins as three Eastern Conference teams have already done so. So congrats to the Oilers for being the first team to double-digit wins. I don't think a lot of people expected that. I, I thought that they were going to be a little bit better. I think Dave Tippett's a great coach. Again, I'll, I'll keep saying it. I think at the, the end of his time, not necessarily his fault, not the, the fault. Again, I don't think of anybody in particular in the organization. I think it was just... The budget, the way things were kind of uh, allowed in terms of the checkbook, uh, Tippett just not given the, the greatest of rosters, and uh, he just had a tough time. I don't think he would have been the right coach for what this team is right now. I think Rick Talk is doing a fantastic job, but good to see him succeeding, especially with some of the maybe the two best forwards in the NHL. I think Leon Dreisaitl might be right there with Connor McDavid. It's insane that the Oilers really got two guys that are at the top of their game. Uh, elsewhere in the Western Conference, the Predators uh, fall to the Rangers, two to one. The Rangers, after having such a really bad start, starting to pull themselves out of it a little bit more. They've won two straight. Uh, they're at 11 points, but uh, I think Georgiev uh, is going to be the goaltender of the future. I think that part of me says that because he's on my fantasy team, but I, he's played exceptionally better than Henrik Lundqvist, and I know you want to keep the loyalty, but at some point, you just uh, loyalty isn't going to win you a lot of games, especially the way Henrik Lundqvist is playing right now. Uh, you travel a little even further west, you get into Texas where the Stars take down the Canadians 4-1 to one as the Stars, another team that had a slow start but is really starting to, to find their game, really starting to pick it up. But they've won three straight as they played a fantastic. Uh, Radulov scores again, and uh, Guryanov has scored twice. And Heiskanen at 15.08 to polish that one off. The Bruins uh, defeat the Senators 5-2. Former Coyote Anthony Duclair gets his fifth of the season. A scary moment with Scott Sauvern as he collided with uh, David Backus and uh, kind of a head-to-head -head hit. Uh, not that it was a either man was trying to hit each other in the head. It was just kind of the collision and in in the midst of the collision, bonked heads and uh, Sauvern was uh, stretchered off, taken to a hospital. I hope that he is going to be okay. But the Bruins uh, also get to 10 wins on the evening. So only a few hours after the Oilers did so, the Bruins are able to accomplish the same. 
the Islanders and the Sabres, maybe the two hottest teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think Buffalo has definitely cooled off just a little bit. Boston is back streaking. They've won five. The Islanders, that's their ninth straight victory. And uh, for the Sabres, they've lost two in a row, and it has not been good sledding for them, especially after their loss to the Coyotes as they've lost another home game. Uh, this loss, their second home loss, uh, their first regulation loss, so the first time they didn't gather a point at home. The Panthers blanked the Red Wings 4 to nothing. Uh, Huberdeau, Huberdeau excuse me, scores twice. Uh, in Florida, winners of two straight. They're starting to be that team I think a lot of people, including myself, thought they could be. It's a team that scores a lot, and, and if they can get just a lick of goaltending, uh, looks like Bobrovsky's finally coming into form, gets another shutout for himself. The Maple Leafs, their fans are getting antsy that they're not just running away into a playoff spot. They beat the Flyers in a shootout 4-3. to three. The Devils uh, pick up a big win over the Carolina Hurricanes on the road. So um, hopefully that's the, the one to get them turned around as they're trying to almost, uh, not only are they playing for a playoff spot, but maybe playing to keep Taylor Hall in town. The Flames playing the Blue Jacks. A lot of shutouts on the evening. David Riddich um, gets another win. He's been playing a little up and down, but I think he'll find his game at some point. Monaghan scores in the first, Bennett in the second, and Kachuk in the third. The Blues down the wild in overtime. 4-3, thanks to Ryan O'Reilly's fourth. Coyotes obviously blanked the Avalanche 3-0. The Jets in overtime. Uh, they beat the Sharks last night in a game where they had 19 shots. And the Sharks had 53. And then again, they got uh, not as badly outshot and outplayed in Vegas, but they still stole another one. So where it looked like the Jets, uh, again, obviously this is why the games aren't played on paper, but on paper... Uh, should should be at uh, six and nine right now. They are at eight and seven as they pick up the overtime win uh, thanks to Kyle Connor. The Canucks, uh, speaking of those Sharks, lose again as they drop to the Canucks five to two. Uh, the Canucks talked about JT Miller a little bit. He seems to be comfortable with where he's at. Uh, good to see him back in not only uh, normal form but even better form than before. And the Kings and the Blackhawks, a matchup between two of the Western Conference bottom teams. The Kings win in overtime 4-3 to three, thanks to Drew Doughty's fourth of the season. He's already scored two overtime winners. So uh, for the Kings, if they need somebody to end in overtime, it seems like Drew Doughty is the guy. And taking a quick look at tomorrow, the Flames back on the ice. They leave Columbus and they head to... The nation's capital, the nation being the United States capital, to take on the Capitals. That game is at 7 Eastern for Pacific. And then the Blackhawks again finish up uh, the second leg of the Southern California trip as they take on the Ducks at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. The Coy again, the Coyotes don't get back on the ice until Monday. They'll be the latest game. That's a 9 p.m. Eastern uh, start. And for those of you in Arizona, um, daylight savings time doesn't affect us. So uh, starting today, so the, the Flames-Capitals game will actually start at 5, not 4, and then the Ducks-Blackhawks at 6, not 5. So what does that mean for the Coyotes game? Tomorrow's start time will be a 7 p.m. start time for those of you trying to catch the game. And we'll have a podcast up previewing that game uh, before 
we get uh, as we start the week here on Locked On Coyotes. So I appreciate you tuning into the special Sunday edition. My name is Seth Askelson. If you want to follow me on Twitter, that is at S-A-S-K-E-L-S-O-N-9-6. Once again, that is at S-A-S-K-E-L-S-O-N-9-6. Follow the show on Twitter, at L-O underscore Coyotes. Once again, that is at L-O underscore Coyotes. Again, I appreciate you tuning in. Hope you have a fantastic Sunday. We'll speak to you tomorrow. And remember, we hope you always stay locked on, Coyotes.